Welcome to the Maritime Vision Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Wioli. In each episode, we bring you exclusive interviews with maritime professionals, industry experts, and students. Our guests come from different backgrounds, including shipping, yachting, offshore, supply chain, and more. Our goal is to give you all the knowledge you need to succeed in the maritime industry. Welcome everyone, welcome back to a new podcast episode and today in this podcast episode we are joined by Daniel Kabi, the CEO of Sea Horizon Offshore. Welcome uh, Daniel, it's a pleasure to having you here in this podcast episode. Can you introduce yourself please? Thank you so much Paul, I'm Daniel Kabi, I'm the CEO of Sea Horizon Offshore Marine Services, Qatar. Uh, the company itself is actually a third generation family business that started in the late 80s. Um, we first started in the salvage industry uh, for shipwrecks and providing tugboats for salvage and then carried on to more of in-field oil and gas operations. And with me being the third generation, we've, we've rebranded and started a fresh company in Qatar to service the oil and gas sector in this region. Okay, so basically the the services you are proposing is like everything related to the, the energy sector. Uh, can you elaborate a little bit on it? So a lot of the services we, we propose is uh, partnerships. So one of the things we like to do and emphasize in is do strategic partnerships with companies that we believe would add to the energy sector in Qatar. You know, there's a lot of big things happening when it comes to expansions. You know, the Northfield expansion alone is going to double the gas, uh, the LNG infrastructure here. So with that comes a lot of requirement for all kinds of vessels, whether it's diving vessels, uh, supply boats, you know, port operations are growing. Mm -hmm. Currently, we're actually doing a, with our consultants from Aberdeen, we are redeveloping the emergency response plan for Qatar Energy's ports. And that is uh, a very exciting project. So you get a very full insight of what there is inside the port. So not just providing marine assets, but providing marine consultancy is another aspect that we like to pride ourselves in. Okay, very interesting. Uh, you know, uh, so the offshore sector um, is quite developed, I imagine, in Qatar. Uh, can you explain a little bit of how the industry is? Uh, in Qatar, because I know in, I'm based in the Netherlands, so we have, of course, as well, a big offshore industry, especially in the North Sea. And what about uh, in your region? I mean, in Qatar, we, we focus a lot on um, local content, right? So in the Middle East in general, you're seeing it more and more uh, in Qatar. It's local company development. Um, so Tautin is a initiative that has been started by Qatar Energy to promote local companies within the energy sector. So we're seeing a lot of assets and a lot of uh, local companies getting longer term contracts to fulfill the, uh, the energy sector to, to support smaller local companies as well, mm. which is a very exciting time. You know, it's 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 this region alone for the oil and gas sector and maritime. It, it is growing Saudi Arabia with their expansion and the demand of the vessels, you know, in Abu Dhabi, they just, they just launched the new Island projects, which, which is another growing aspect. And here, like I said, uh, we have the 
Northfield expansion, and that is that is an unbelievable expansion that is going to double, if not triple, the uh, requirement for marine assets. And that and that's just for offshore. You know, with the port expansion, we we can see a lot of tugboats and berthing vessels coming in. So it, it is exciting times. Nice. Yeah, interesting. Uh, because of course, uh, in this podcast, I try to you know to educate as as well young people uh, in new field in the industry, on especially of the offshore industry. Um, can you maybe uh, explain a little bit the challenges and risk we have uh, associated with offshore? Uh, because I imagine it's a, it's a beautiful industry, but we have no ideas in 2024 in some challenges. Um, there's a lot of challenges, right? Uh, there, where there's challenges, opportunity, crew welfare is very important to us, right? Uh, mm. Offshore is very different. You know, we have our, I, I, I've, I've said this before, and I'll always say that the, our crew is our, the heartbeat of our organization. You know, they, their happiness is extremely important. And, and it's not like ocean-going vessels where they're going from point A to point B. It's, it's they're in field majority of the time. And, you know, it, it's a 24-hour operation where, you know, you're working closely towards platforms, you're supplying platforms. It, it does become very grueling. Uh, and, you know, it's, 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 we do appreciate every member of our crew a lot. So it is, it, and and that's one challenge. And a lot of other challenges is is the market. Of course, right now we're happy because the market is amazing. But usually, but the last five years we were not mm. happy. So currently, the market upturn, especially because of the developments in the Middle East, uh, are happy times. But the offshore is very exciting. You know, a lot of people I speak to uh, before getting deep into the offshore industry. I was, when you tell them you're in shipping, they immediately assume, you know, okay, containers, yeah. anchors, yeah. You're, you're moving from point A to point B, but a lot of our operations are now in field and operational for one country. Okay, interesting. So uh, when we talk about uh, the market itself, uh, the macroeconomics, what is, I mean, the biggest impact in the, I mean, the important factors in the market, because for example, in shipping, uh, which is everything about supply, demand, it's depend, depending like, uh, for example, uh, the sh people, how they make shopping, for example, it, it has a big impact in the shipping industry. When I'm talking about shipping, I'm talking about container vessel, etc. But about the offshore sector, what is the contributor factor, I can say? Currently, I mean, the contributing factor is oil production or yeah. energy production, right? So for so the more energy production that we're going to see from a country, the more demand of vessels we're, we're going to see for us. So that's why, like we said, is, is the region is is growing tremendously on all fronts with production, whether mm -hmm. it is, like I said, Aramco, Qatar Energy, and Abu Dhabi National Oil Company. All three of these big giants are are growing extraordinarily with expansions. Along with that, um, which also comes a challenge, which is market indicators, is right now what's happening is there is a demand and there is no supply. Um, yeah. There's less supply and what, what the vessels that are needed are going towards a more fuel efficiency model. You know, we, we, we talk a lot about uh, diesel electric, what's the next future fuel? And the issue is shipyards are also not building. So when shipyards mm -hmm. are, so when you have all these three 
mixtures, the demand continues to increase as we search for new supply, new ways to get supply. And previously, we would have a lot of vessels coming in from Southeast Asia into the Middle East. So the, that was able to offset. But right now, given that all markets are growing in oil and gas, so even Southeast Asia, uh, a lot of new discoveries are happening, a lot of new production, and those vessel owners uh, are getting paid more to be there. Mm. So this is why there's challenges, there's growth, and the supply is not there currently, but the demand is extremely high. Okay. Okay. Uh, when you are talking about vessels, because uh, people imagine, like, you know, the offshore industry is like uh, this uh, big platform and they, yeah. they don't think about any vessels. Can you maybe elaborate on what kind of specific type of vessels we have in this offshore industry, especially in your case? So, per, I mean, a wide range of things. When we talk about the offshore industry itself, HDSs, which is anchor handler tug supply vessels, uh, platform supply vessels, uh, we have maintenance vessels, which are maintenance and construction vessels. We have accommodation vessels and accommodation jack-up barges, um, diving support vessels, we, 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 and of course, standard tug vessels too, anchor handler tug, not just anchor handler tug supply. So these are the wide range of vessels that we work with mostly. Uh, what we focus on at Sea Horizon Offshore is anchor handling tug supplies because mm. one one of the focuses we do is rig moves. So we we do a lot of towage of rigs from point A to point B. Uh, so we one thing we like to bring in is a lot of vessels with high bullard pull, which is the amount the tonnage that you can pull. So we we focus on anything above 120 tons because in this region. It is not, doesn't exist much, mm. along with accommodation and maintenance vessels, because no, the more work that happens, the more uh, accommodation you're needed offshore, right? Mm. So these yeah. vessels are very important to us. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, we can see those kind of vessels, especially in Rotterdam, because uh, we have these yeah. big companies, Van Oort, Boscalis, they, you know, they, they use this fleet as well. Um, in your opinion, uh, what are the key factors that contribute to the success uh, of offshore operations? Health and safety, in my opinion. Um, HSC is very important, right? Uh, if, you're, if, if you do it safely, you're doing it right. Um, no downtime. I mean, if you look at the economic factor of it, when, when things are done right, when things are done in a safe manner, you're never going to have downtime because of no injuries and no prevention, but also it's 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 important and the line of work that we do health and safety is very important so yeah. we have a lot of qhsc policies that that we implement for our people and and our staff you know the trainings a lot of seminars and a lot of uh protocols that we take and we take it very seriously along with that is one thing that sea horizon offshore marine services focuses on is mental health and safety because you know like i said earlier our crew is offshore for sometimes six months so we did earlier last year partner with a organization called mental health safety solutions where they provide mental health consultancy for seafarers abroad and mm. and we're really working closely with them to bring them into the middle east 
and to coordinate with our group because you know especially during covid which now we think about it, it was a very long time ago but only about two years ago <laughs> where we were still suffering from covid yeah. so it was it was a downtime, you know it, it, and it, it and it made a lot of offshore owners really aware of the situations going on and the crew welfare, how important it is. We had a lot of crew members stuck for a very long time. And mm. and, and during operations, you know, sometimes um, the operations are needed, so crew changes are more difficult to have. So we really want to focus. And, and I think that the happier the crew, the, the more you offer for the crew, the better your production is. Yeah, I imagine I'm talking about the crew. Uh, I mean, recruitment, it's a big part as well. Is it like quite hard to, and challenging to find new people? Because uh, I think offshore, it's not so visible as an in industry. And I imagine for young people, it's quite hard to find, isn't it? Oh, yes, that, that that's for sure. You know, for, for a lot of times, uh, to, the offshore sector of this industry is very small so we we all know each other and we mm. we all coordinate together but when it comes to crew on vessels it it is getting harder every day it's uh the demand of ships are going so high and uh, during covid again a lot of crew members pursued new careers so we lost a lot of crew and now with the growing economy and the growing demand we we have an unbelievable influx of demand mm. for crew for new crew and, and and a shortage of crew so so we're facing this challenge daily on yeah. getting new crew yeah imagine yeah imagine yeah i mean in the all industry it's the the case i mean this recruitment issue uh so yes i imagine it's quite hard uh, but now uh, maybe to make some advertising for young people who need to join this offshore industry. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, one of the, one of, one of the things I really pride myself in is because I was a young person in the industry. Well, I, I still, I guess I'm still a little young. Um, and I, I do want to always be an advocate to the youth in the industry because when I joined this industry, I was 21 years old, right? And I had nobody around me um in the same age bracket so I, I i relatively grew pretty quickly and i like being somewhat being there for the for the individuals that aren't so i always like bringing new people in and even our hiring scheme sometimes wants to be we we we, we admire to be as and aspire to be um attracting the youth but sometimes sometimes it's a lot harder yeah, than the way we say it is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, especially this, uh, as you said, it's not a big industry. So, I mean, you need to make double uh, investment to bring all, all this young generation. Uh, but maybe to, to make big picture about the offshore industry, because I, this podcast is like more like an introduction of the offshore industry. What kind of different jobs we have in this industry? Uh, maybe for people who listen to this podcast, I mean, in the, in the technical side on more maybe in the commercial side, which is more your side. The exciting part about the offshore industry and the shipping industry as a whole, but the offshore industry more specifically is we have roles for everyone. Right? You know, when I first entered this industry, I, I, I wanted to be a sports agent. And I know you heard my podcast I did with C-Trade. Yeah. I 
And the first thing I told them is I wanted to be a sports agent. I never wanted to be in the maritime industry, <laughs> but because a third generation family business, we, we get in this and then we adapt. But learning in this industry, I realized there's room for anyone when you're in finance, you know, technical, you know, the geological surveys that we have to do with, with our team. Um, so in reality, I could probably say if any aspiration you have in your career, you can fit it in the offshore industry. You know, we've had, we have, we have people on our team that, that at one point were real estate agents and they joined us and, you know, we, we get it from all parts of different uh, sectors. So I think, I think that the offshore industry has room for people from all sorts of dreams and aspirations and there's there is space whether it's finance whether it's commercial you mm. know we do a lot of negotiations a lot of contracting um a lot of technical and operations quick decision making you know it's it's it, it's important yeah so if for someone who hesitates you know between like uh, the shipping industry like or, or the the offshore industry what is the difference if you want to guide these people Board. If you want a lot of excitement in your life, join the offshore industry. <laughs> and when I say yeah. excitement is a lot of hard work and mm. and no two days are ever the same in offshore. And that's that's yeah. something that we hear a lot. I mean shipping as a whole, but in offshore, because our vessels are twenty four seven working, mm. right, in offshore, you're never you there's never a dull moment. It's a twenty four seven job, right? There's yeah. no Friday and Saturday. There's no there's no holidays, but it's exciting. It keeps it exciting. Okay, interesting. On about about the soft skills you need to to develop. Uh, I imagine, as you said, like quick decision making. Yeah, a big part. What else we have? Quick decision making. Um, lots of creative thinking. Mm. You know, you need you need problem solving skills. I think are very important within the offshore industry. And yeah, just and a lot of passion. Yeah, you know, a lot of passion. We have a, we there's a lot of opportunities and everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you we have every different jobs. I mean, I've seen like offshore broker for more the commercial side. You can work in sales in the offshore industry in project management. Uh, I've seen as well this uh, structural uh, project engineer as well. So. Yeah. I will make a podcast with uh, someone working in this uh, with in this position because it's it's very specific, but I think it's quite interesting. I can introduce you to someone actually that would be perfect for. Okay, yeah, with pleasure. Because yeah, it's it's the kind of position that it's not uh, visible at all, but I think it, it's I think you need to know a lot about it because it's quite. Uh, oh, uh, of course. Oh yeah. Technical. I mean, with them, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Get passed on to us. To, to do the work yeah now imagine it's uh, wow the, uh, this industry is quite uh, is very interesting and now i want to, to switch to uh, more about the your business uh, so it's a family business so did you have any pressure when you have to take the business because i imagine maybe you didn't have uh, you have this pressure from the family you need to take the business uh, if you wanted to make a uh, other career I well, like I told you earlier, it's um I did not want to come into the maritime sector or let alone the offshore sector. I I was I studied in Canada and I wanted to be a sports agent. I did a lot 
to work towards that. And then pressure of the family business. So then when I came in, I, I was understanding the dynamics. I was understanding what what was happening and, and really. So the best part that the best advice I give people is is if you're pressured into something, think about what you always wanted to do and how you can coordinate that with mm. what you're doing. So then I got the idea of that's how I opened Sea Horizon Offshore is is to become an agent or kind of, but like take the sports agent mentality into representing companies within right. a sector that they're not familiar with. So so we 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 go around the world and and we really work closely with companies on an exclusive basis in representing them on projects to support them in country in Qatar because for us we understand the dynamics of Qatar you know with our local shareholders and our local partners we know how things work here and it's kind of a handheld approach that we offer to our clients and our customers okay yeah i mean you find the this combination that's 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 good to to know yes because sometimes it's yeah it's hard to just find the the the, the white path for for you especially when you are young because you say that you started at 21 years old yes yeah. but everyone is quite old in this industry I imagine so it was quite not it was not easy at the beginning no oh no not at all this is why i i, I tell people uh I never had it, so I, I, I enjoy being the advocate for the youth because I enjoy being that person for new people in the industry. When I first came into the industry, everyone I was meeting was above 40 years old, yeah. which is uh, which was great. It, 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 you, you speed up the maturity, that's for sure. But, but I never had uh, someone guiding me through the way and and that's why it's good to have and and in a lot of cases if someone doesn't have that they will they will just exit the industry and go find something else so this is why as an industry as a whole collaboration is important yeah yeah on about collaboration um uh, in, in especially in the offshore industry do, do we have like some uh, um like big organization like we have with young ship for example Yes, so I was I, I am involved in Young Ship yeah, UAE. Um, that we were I, I then that's what got me into it and from the beginning. So I am the vice president of Young Ship UAE, and I was so excited to join Young Ship because it's it exactly provided the platform that I didn't have coming into the industry. So Young Ship, it, it, we're a community. And what I'm shocked about is how big Young Ship has become because everywhere I go, there's Young Ship members yeah. all over the world. And That's it's an true. incredible thing, right? It's, um, it's a, we've become a community of maritime individuals and we've created, I've created so many relationships just through Young Ship. You know, mm. there's been a lot of times where, Um, I've met people and we've realized that we're both in young ship. Like for example, our legal team, our legal firm is from, is because of the relationship of young ship. Uh, oh. our, our, uh, some of our offshore brokers we use is because of young ship. So it's, it's mm -hmm. to create a community is great. And, and more organizations like young ship are, are very, very important for us. 
Yeah, I've seen you. You became like a board member, as you mentioned. Yes. Uh, PNG. What, what is your responsibilities on role? So I, I'm I'm the vice president and board member of Youngship. I um, I, I became that a year and a half ago. Um, what we'd like to do is we like to organize events. Now we know that Youngship traditionally is more of a social outing event, but we like to mix it up. We like to organize events, but also educational events. So one thing we did last year, which was really cool during Ramadan, uh, we did a breaking of fast on a big diving vessel called Everest, which mm. is actually a uh, Dutch company that owns it. So we did a whole breaking of fast and a tour on the Everest, which which got a lot of good feedback. So we like to mix it up. Um, a mentoring projects, relationship building, and also education. You know, during the um, during the Evergreen uh, vessel blockage, we did a salvage seminar with a lot of people that were involved, and we did a podcast kind of thing for the people of Young Ship. And we do some fun stuff too. We go visit the yacht shipyards where they build yeah. the yachts, and then you know, golf crafts. We visited them. And they gave us a whole tour. So it's very exciting. And we touch base on all the maritime aspects. So it's very nice. And, and, and we look forward to doing a lot more with that for sure. Yeah. So, so now it's an international organization. We have it, as you mentioned, everywhere in the world. In Rotterdam, we have Young Ship, but we have in London, in Hamburg, I think. Big capital on big cities. Yes, of course. Yeah, that's good. And now uh, let's talk a little bit um, about the region, like Dubai, Doha, Qatar, etc. Because I think it's quite interesting. Because you know, I, I, every time I interview someone, it's in Europe most of the time. Uh, <laughs> so now that I have you in in the podcast, maybe we can talk about this part of the world for the maritime industry. I mean, we have more and more opportunities. I can see each day, every day, some people just move to Dubai or other uh, in, the, in Qatar, in this part of the world. Can you uh, elaborate maybe what kind of opportunities it offers about the future of it? Well, Dubai itself is, and the UAE in general, is becoming a maritime hub, right? We have Jebel Ali, which is the, one of the largest container ports. And, and you know, with 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 their new development in the IMO, uh, you know, getting the repeated recognition constantly, um, it is it is growing as a maritime hub with a lot of I think we have in Dubai relevancy. Every every port is very important. You know, we have Fajera for the oil and gas mm. terminals. We have Jebel Ali, Musafa, and Abu Dhabi. Uh, which is which is tremendous for trade, right? It, it, the, the trade possibilities are growing. Also with Qatar, uh, you know, Qatar, we have the development of Hamad International Port, right? Which is the airport as well is named Hamad International, but there's Hamad Port, which is where we see all of the container vessels coming in. Mm. And, and the expansion for 2030 of Hamad Port itself is is tremendous. It's it's going to create so many opportunities and create so much more infrastructure for uh, companies to be able to come and for shipyards to establish and support. And and that is what's needed. You know, we have a lot of we have a lot of demand for for vessels in Qatar. 
and mm. and that is the infrastructure is being created to to make that smoother transition okay interesting yeah now because uh, you know i asked you this question because uh I, i mean i have a lot of i know a lot of people you know now working in I, i'm talking about dubai because dubai is quite popular nowadays maybe yeah. it could change but what what about uh, qatar doha for example because i think doha is, is a big hub uh is in the future will attract like uh, every people in the world to come to doha because because now it's not as as um, famous as as dubai for example yeah well, dubai dubai is, has done a tremendous job in, in attracting foreigners to come and and become expats into the uae qatar right now with their with their growth and their expansion it, it it's it has a lot of potential and you know and, and and frankly speaking i really enjoy living in doha very family oriented um smaller a lot smaller than dubai you know we we a lot more of a community uh and and a lot more of a european feel you know but it, and i and i do think with the oil and gas sector especially we will see a lot of people from the north america uh europe because you know there's there has been a big agreement for the northfield expansion with shell yeah. uh so we'll, we'll see a lot of people from the netherlands coming hopefully to qatar soon <laughs> yeah so, so i do see in the next by 2030 you know there will be there will be more of a population growth here mm. for maritime and the oil and gas sector for sure nice so it's uh it's a uh, uh... This nation to keep in mind for future yes, people, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, when Dubai will be full of people, and maybe they will need more in in Doha in, in, anyway. <laughs> exactly. Um, so now talking about you know uh, sustainability, uh, I imagine uh, oil and gas is always uh, people make it like uh, media make it a big uh, big stuff. Um, about this new uh, fuel like LNG, you mentioned uh, we have hydrogen, all this. Uh, oh, are you preparing the transition with this new kind of fuel? We are, we are looking to do the transition of the new kind of fuel. You know, we're exploring many options because, you know, we are being lean, leaning towards new build programs and vessels that for the future. Now, when you build a new vessel, you got you're building for 20 years, right? The life cycle of offshore vessels are are generally 15 to 20 years old. So so we're very careful and we're doing a lot of studies in and seeing what to build because well you're building is for 20 years and you don't want and for these shipyards two years time once you build it's you're two years behind at that point and then the the, the fuel is there and if you make the wrong decision. So the 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 worry is there because we still don't know as an industry what to build, but we, I think as an industry itself, we're, we're doing the studies and we're, we're being very careful. Also, when it comes to offshore, we, we're actually, we only build what we're kind of told to by the oil companies and the energy sector. So um, once they co-create and collaborate with us, then we'll have a very good idea. And I think that's what Qatar is doing, which is tremendous, you know, because there's a lot of projects that are requiring new build vessels, but the likes of Qatar Energy and Qatar Energy LNG are collaborating with the customer base to build for the future. 
So mm. they, they know that maybe, for example, hydrogen is the next fuel of the future. So they are looking to develop a hydrogen infrastructure, a hydrogen bur uh, bunkering infrastructure to support this. So that's what that's when it comes to the collaboration as a whole as well. Yeah, you know, I'm doing this thesis uh, for school uh, about uh, the supply chain of hydrogen. How can we, can we make it available in the upcoming years? Because the problem with hydrogen, this is not itself. It's not the process is not hard. I mean, you you take water and you just take the molecule of the water. But the thing is that uh, you need to, to build all the bunkering uh, infrastructure, um, the pipelines on. Um, yes. Do you think any potential in this, uh, in, especially in Qatar for, for it? Because I think in Europe, it's quite hard to, to, to build all this for now. I mean, uh, I've always said that in order to tell us about who, what the fuel of the future is, you have to create the infrastructure for it first. Yeah. So, and, and it's very difficult and it's very costly, uh, especially for a fuel like hydrogen. You know, we've actually explored this with a company from Canada who was visiting us in Qatar last week in where they are producing hydrogen through LNG. So, so they, they, they're, they have plasma radioactors that you can put LNG in and it, and it brings and it produces hydrogen. So we're, we're exploring that idea closely with Qatar and I'll actually, since you're doing your thesis there after this, I'll, I'll send you some of their information to, to give you a background, but, but that's something we're exploring, but, and we know, and judging from those meetings that we've had that Qatar energy is also exploring other ways and, and to create an infrastructure for the next fuel. Whether that's hydrogen, ammonia, um, whatever it may be, it's exciting times. LNG, of course, is, is, is a great transition fuel. Yes, but the thing is, it's very hard because now we have a lot of alternatives, uh, LNG, ammonia, methanol, extra, uh, but it's quite hard to, to find the direction, which one we need to choose, which one we need to invest. Uh, that's, that's Exactly, it. of course, and, and, and that's the problem. That's why no one is going to pick the fuel of the future Well, and, until the infrastructure is there, until until our ports are able to provide it. I've, I've seen in the container shipping world, there's a lot of brave decisions being made on new builds. I saw that Maersk had had put in an order for some methanol yes. uh, container vessels, which is which which I think for container vessels it makes more sense uh, to make that leap, but for for Offshore, the infrastructure is very, very important. To have yeah. bunkering facilities during 24-hour operations mm -hmm. is very important. And, and how is the fuel of the future going to affect what we're doing uh, with, with the heavy towage projects, right? So it will produce the same power and the efficiency. So, Yeah, yeah, it's a big topic right now, but yeah. We will see how it evolves. I think it's quite interesting. Exactly. Yeah. So, Daniel, I think for me, it's, I, I ask every question I wanted to ask you. Uh, maybe if you want to add something, do not hesitate. No, I'm, I mean, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I look forward to catching up in the near future again, maybe sometime when I'm in Holland or we yeah, love chat sure. in our office in Qatar and hope to hear more of your podcast. What I think you're doing is absolutely great. I told you before we started this call that it's nice to see uh, someone young and, and, and really shedding light on all parts of the marine industry. So I hope 
that you can actually influence a lot of people to, to enter the maritime sector and we'll, we'll have the net future at home. And hopefully we can host you in Qatar one day. Uh, with pleasure. Thank you uh, to be part of this podcast, Daniel. It was a pleasure. You, uh, you, it was very interesting. And I wish you, of course, all the best for 2024. Thank you, Paul. Thank Same you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening and watching this episode. We are looking forward to bring you more insights from maritime professionals, experts, and students. Do not hesitate to follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Your support means a lot to us and helps us to bring you more content.